Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Everyone, welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth, and I am your host. On this podcast, I typically sit down with guests or perhaps on a solo episode to chat around the topic of designing a life that fulfills you. And I believe the three pillars of that are your relationships, your professional career and your overall wellness. So on this episode, as you can tell by the title, I do sit down with a guest and I am sitting down with the founder of Hanny. And I have to preface you guys, this was definitely one of my favorite conversations this year. And why I especially love this conversation is because we dive into so many different aspects of life and I love that Leslie shared her journey like all the way back from, you know, how she got her interview for her dream job, which was pretty insane, but so ballsy. And I love it because my goal is to expose my listeners more to that mindset of taking risks and being strategic about it and overcoming certain fears that I know many of us have, including myself, especially had it in the past of just going for it. And Leslie's story, I think, is so, so applicable for many of you guys listening, whether you are in college or you graduated already, because she touches on how she actually took a big risk and decided to buy a one-way ticket to Buenos Aires, and she ended up staying there. Well, her intention was to be there for six months. She ended up staying there for 10 years, met her husband there that whole shebang and i think that story in itself just really lays the foundation for her journey in life but also this entire episode and so before we dive in a little bit more about leslie leslie tesler began her career in fashion at ralph lauren moving to italian denim brand replay where she was responsible for opening retail locations throughout the country she transitioned to beauty a lifelong passion heading up marketing for various beauty brands, including Dr. Dennis Gross Skincare. After a spontaneous move to Buenos Aires, Leslie began managing fragrance at Cody Argentina and went on to freelance for various startups in Latin America. In Buenos Aires, Leslie turned a six-month sabbatical into a 10-year life-changing professional and personal move. During this time, Leslie began traveling throughout the world on behalf of Latin America beauty brands, scouting the next big trends in global beauty. It was on one such trip to Tokyo after getting a face shave with a straight razor at a local men's barbershop that Leslie first fell in love with the single blade. Determined to finally give women access to a proper shave that lays the foundation for a healthy, glowing skin, Hanny was born. At its core, Hanny believes that shaving is the first step to great skin and aims to help empower women to make time to take care of themselves. Leslie lives between the U.S. and Buenos Aires with her husband, three kids, and dog, George. And like I said, this episode is a must listen. It is not one of those episodes where it's more pertaining for entrepreneurs or aspiring business owners. This really is just your raw story of a great journey and definitely just a lot of lessons that truly apply to women, especially in your 20s today. And so without further ado, we will dive into it. 
righty. Well, Leslie. Hi, it's so nice <laughs> to be here. Thank you so yes. much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm very, very excited to talk about your story. There's a lot that we can dive into. <laughs> There's a lot there. <laughs> um, but let's give the audience some context. Can you share a little bit about your background, maybe into you know what you studied in college, where you went, kind of your journey in your early mid-20s before and leading up to where you're at now? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I'll start a little bit further back just because I think... Um, one experience sort of started like shifting my mindset from an earlier age, which was um, in the middle of high school, my family moved to London uh, and I'm born and raised in New Jersey. So you can imagine like for me, someone who's always dreamt of traveling the world, that was like, I love New Jersey, no shade there, but that was, you know, the biggest upgrade a 16 year old could get, you know, is to say, oh, now we're going to move to one of the coolest cities in the world. So um, I finished out my high school there. Uh, and my family continued living in Europe up until a, a year or two ago. So for the last 20, 25 years, so I think as like a family unit, we all sort of shifted perspective a lot, um, just from, you know, getting out of the U S and meeting people from different cultures. And I definitely got the bug. I think from that point, that was where it really started to hit me. Um, and so then I went to college uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. It was kind of random. They gave us a week off to go look at schools in the U.S. And I went to Chicago and I went to D.C. And I went to all these schools in the Northeast and it was February. And then I came to Atlanta and it was sunny and warm and people seemed really friendly. So I know those aren't great criteria for choosing a university, but that, that's kind of how I did it. Um, so I came down here to Emory um, and I studied business with a focus in marketing I think I had always just imagined myself going into sort of like this, you know, fashion beauty world that was very tempting to me. So it was kind of always my dream. Um, at, right after college, I got actually my dream job uh, in at Ralph Lauren. So I um, actually I don't know I don't know if I if I told you this, but so I. Um, I had always wanted to work at Ralph Lauren. This was like peak Friends era. Rachel from Friends worked at Ralph Lauren. I was like, she's my idol. I need to do exactly what she's doing. This is 2003, okay? And um, I went to New York and Ralph Lauren would not give me an interview for the life of me. Like I didn't go to NYU. I didn't have internships at Zach Posen and all of these places where the other girls my age were, were interviewing from. Um, and so I kept trying. I kept trying to get into all of these fashion places. No one would take me. Um, not even an interview. And so I started temping at a showroom, getting coffee and a, a girl that was also temping there. She had an interview at Ralph Lauren and she by chance met a girl, met a girl, met a guy uh, who lived in Paris and she was madly in love and she decided to move to Paris. And I begged her, please do not cancel your interview. I will go in as you. And so I went in as her uh, to the interview. And I figured like, what's the worst that could happen? Honestly, I'm, I'm literally like searching for a job right now. There's, there's not like further down to fall. And so I went in, I thought they'll either be, you know, impressed with my, the extent to which I would go, or they'll kick me out and I'll be right here where I am right now. So I went in, thankfully the former happened. I met one of my like longtime mentors who became my boss. And, um, that's how I got started sort of on the path of, the dream path of, of fashion and beauty that I, that I had always wanted to be on. So I think that's sort of like, you know, I've always had that don't take no for an answer kind of 
attitude. Uh, and I think yeah, it served me well. Um, it can be scary sometimes, but I think you really got to do what you have to do. If there's something that you want, you know, a lot of times the traditional way doesn't work or it doesn't work for you. So find a way to stand out, find a way them make them pay attention to you, I think is a really, you know, good lesson that I learned from that. Because if you, you know, if they don't have another way, that's it, they will, you know? Um, so that was kind of like my first lesson in, in, in the real world. And then I set up on this path of, I worked for various different fashion companies in merchandising and marketing. And then I started working at L'Oreal um, and I managed marketing for um, Kerstas, Hair Care uh, and Shomura. Um, and then I moved over to the dermatological skincare side and with Dr. Dennis Gross Skincare. And so really got a great feel for obviously the beauty industry, but also just, I think when you work at those big beauty brands, it's boot camp for business. It's, you know, the Goldman Sachs of beauty. I always say you literally, especially when you're on the marketing path, you learn, you interact with every area of the business from sales and education to finance. And you really, really get a great understanding of um, what it is to, to, to run a business and, and make it successful. So I think that was really amazing training for me. Um, I got to a point where it was really unhealthy. It became really unhealthy for me. I think a lot of, some people can handle it. Some people can't, um, or some people will, and some people won't, however you want to look at it, but it was physically affecting me. I was physically unwell. I was beyond stressed, um, was affecting my personal life, um, I started retreating a lot and I just felt kind of alone and overwhelmed and without any real like desire to do anything. Um, so it was essentially the onset of, you know, what became later like a clinical diagnosis of, of anxiety. Um, and, and this work environment and this work situation just really didn't help that. Um, so I had been talking for a really long time about leaving and 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 moving to another country and just starting over and my girlfriends at that point were like okay whatever like she's been talking about this for the last three years um it's never gonna happen and I just hit a point where I don't know I saw my bosses and I saw their bosses and I realized that wasn't the path I wanted to be on they didn't seem particularly happy to me um and, you know, it wasn't that I never had the dream that, oh, I want, I want to get married and have kids. It wasn't, it wasn't that it was just, I, I wanted to be happy and I wanted to wake up in the morning, happy with what I was doing. Um, and I didn't think this was the path to get me there. Um, and so I decided to move to Argentina for six months. I got out of my lease. I moved to Buenos Aires. I didn't speak any Spanish. I didn't know anyone, literally no one. And I, you know, I had this fantasy, like I'm going to go to, to Argentina and I'm going to dance tango in a square and have, you know, a love affair with a tall, dark and handsome, po you know, all the things that you think I'll be sitting, drinking coffee and, you know, you land and you're like, holy shit. Like, you know, it's just a city like any other city and it's beautiful and all this, but you get there and the reality smacks you in the face. Like, it's not a fairy tale land. It was winter. It was April. So it was going into winter there. It was dark. It was cold and it was raining. And I remember landing and thinking, what the hell did I just do? Like I gave it all up to come to this 
city. And, you know, it just, it, it was the shock of the reality of the situation, you know, versus my fantasy dream world that I had imagined. And so uh, I rented an apartment for one month uh, in like a trendy area of Buenos Aires. And, you know, my, my only goal for being there quite honestly was to relax, open myself up, like just to possibilities, try things I hadn't tried before, just kind of like loosen up. I was so tightly wound when I landed there. I think the combination for me of Manhattan and this very high paced world, it was just like, I, I couldn't deal with myself. I was, I was very, very, very uptight. Um, and so, yeah. And so I decided to, to, to go and start this new adventure. And when I got there, I started essentially taking Spanish lessons every day. Basically all I was doing was taking Pilates and Spanish, um, and only making friends with people who, who English wasn't their first language. Cause you can go to a new city and there are tons of expats and, you know, it's, it's a very natural thing to do. You know, you go with people like you who speak your language. And so you never really immerse yourself in, in the culture. And I was really lucky, you know, from London, from different places. I had a few people to call like, oh, my cousin's friend lives in Buenos Aires, call them. Super uncomfortable. I was like, hi, I'm Leslie. You don't, you don't know anything about me. I'm just this like rando who's in your city. Would you like to meet up for a coffee? And everyone was very gracious and, you know, humored me. And some of them became my friends and some of them introduced me to other people. And I got, you know, I put together this little life for myself in Buenos Aires with a really cool, amazing group of people who were nothing like the circles I ran with in New York. They were artists and gallery owners and poets. And it was amazing. I just, I think about it now and it's still probably the best period of my life. Um, granted there were, it was, there were a lot of hard times. Like I did not speak the language well and I refused to speak in English. And so six months, my first six months there were literally just like me at dinner parties, watching conversation like that, you know? And, but by the time I had formulated an answer in my head, like they were two subjects ahead already, you know? And so everyone thought, oh, this girl's so quiet. She doesn't have much to say. And I was like, I do have things to say. I just kept, couldn't get them out of my mouth fast enough. So I was constantly feeling like misunderstood and people didn't under, you know, get who I was. And, um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to immerse yourself and it's hard to learn another language and, you know, it's worth it. But if you really want to do it, which is what I, I wanted to be able to come out, get a job in Spanish. Like I really wanted to speak. That's the only way to do it. The Duolingo is only going to take you so far. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my goodness. I have like so much to ask off of your story. Like first off, I have to say like, that is the most aligned and on point story. I personally think like will hit my listeners because like I told you before we started recording, you know, you can just imagine what it's like. You are telling a story of what you did around the age of what a lot of listeners are right now, right? Where a lot of them have asked me questions like how to get out of my comfort zone, how to like take initiative, how to do all these things. And you hit the nail on the head with so many factors, starting with, first off, like, I think you, I love that you went in place of your friend to that interview because I had a lot, that's something I would have done as well. I know that about myself. And I think that's something I speak about a lot on this podcast. But a lot of people like, again, have that fear and it's very natural. It's like, Oh my God, what if I get in trouble? What if I, you know, what if, what if, what if, um, 
I'm curious, do you remember what the, I guess the, the person you were the in the interviewer, what did they say once they realized like, that's what you did in order to get in that seat? Like, of course, obviously it worked out, but like, what was that conversation? Like, was, were they impressed? Were they, they give you feedback? They asked me my name and I said, um, my name is not going to match the name on the resume. And here's why I couldn't get an interview with you guys. And honestly, and not that this is the reaction everyone will get, but I got lucky enough for my, you know, this woman to say to me, uh, wow, I'm really impressed that you did that. Uh, and I think it just started, you know, that, that, that set me off sort of at an advantage for this particular job interview. But even if she hadn't, right, even if she had said nerve of you and, you know, I don't even know if you could do that today with like so much more security and, and ID checks, but um, even if she hadn't, you know, so what, like try it and fail. And if you get in trouble, I mean, let's not, let's like set up a, a line, like nobody's breaking the law or doing anything crazy, but if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. You know, there's a million other places to try and things to do. Like no one thing is so precious that it's not worth trying for fear of breaking it, you know? And so, and I think, you know, for, uh, yeah, I, I, I just think it's easy to let fear control you. And I did that also for, you know, I always hear it. Like it's always, it's not like people who are trying things aren't scared. People who go out of their comfort zone aren't scared. They are, but they're able to somehow like tell that inner fear to, you know, shut up and keep going. And it might be, it might look like, you know, craziness sometimes. And it might look like the, not the most intelligent thing to do, but try it. Honestly, I think the whole moral and the whole biggest lesson I learned, and especially like reflecting on my 20s, is just, you know, stop listening to what you think you have to do, who you think you have to be, because you studied this, because you've gone so far in this, and try something new, because what's the worst that can happen? There's always more jobs. There's always more, especially if you're in a job that you really don't like, you know, um, it's worth it. It's worth it to scare yourself shitless. It's the same feeling I had when I landed in Buenos Aires. Uh, I think only amazing, all like amazing changes start from that feeling like, holy shit, what did I just do? You know, or what am I about to do? And it's scary or else everybody would be doing it, right? Right, right. Okay, so I'm curious as well. You kind of mentioned that your experience in kind of like the Goldman Sachs of beauty and like the skincare, like that industry. Um, and it really helped you, you know, understand how to run a business, start a business, all the different types of operations, looking into how the world has changed today with technology, because I'm sure back then it was very different. Do uh, you it think wasn't that far, way back then. It's just like a few years ago, lady. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like way back then when technology hadn't even, you know, but yes, sorry. I'm, um, I'm just, I'm just joking with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I can imagine the thing around that time. So this is what, like mid two thousand, like two thousand five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think that was when like flip phones were coming out, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember because yeah. I was phones probably, were out. Like, flip phones. Don't tell me how yeah. old you were. Flip phones. <laughs> <laughs> flip phones were out. Yes. It was like yes. Flip phones were out. We were all about our flip phones and our blackberries. At that point. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, I do miss Blackberry though. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> but okay, I'm really curious because obviously as a business owner myself, but I think 
um, I always like to kind of bridge the gap of the reality of today and what a lot of people like yourself had to experience in order to, you know, get to where you're at now. But in your opinion, do you still see that um, it's very, it's just as valuable to get that experience that you had in those years? Or do you think there are um, different ways to get towards that as you have now? I think there are a lot of different ways to get there now. Um, and I think there were other ways way back then, but um, they weren't as, you know, as well known. And I like, I didn't, the thought of doing something other than going into like a big corporation and starting my career path really never occurred to me. We were just starting to like talk about, I mean, obviously entrepreneurs have been doing this for, for, for a very long time, but you know, startup culture and having it really be something that's realistic for young people to do. Um, it, it was, it was just starting. And so, yeah, I think now there's so many ways and I've been so impressed, you know, that I work with so many, you know, uh, people who are younger than I am and they've taken completely different paths and they're so um, knowledgeable and really mature beyond their years because they have taken a different way and they've really become experts in, 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 in things by practice instead of uh, necessarily by you know, learning. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely think I, I, if I were to go back, I don't know that I, if I were, if I was 22 years old right now, I don't, I don't know if I would take the same path, um, cause there's options and there's really interesting options out there. And I think that's so part of like what makes, you know, being young right now. So exciting. Cause you can, you can do that. Those places are still there and they're still very valuable. And, and, and maybe I would, maybe I'd do it for a couple of years and just, and then, and, and, and go off earlier and, and, and try things. Yeah. But yeah. That makes sense. You mentioned that at some point, um, pretty much at the point where you're like, all right, I'm going to Argentina and you were feeling anxious and unhappy, unfulfilled is kind of how I <laughs> like to use that term. Um, what were some of like, what, what was going on in that time for your career that made you feel that way? And also that aha moment when you're looking at your bosses and you're like, I don't really see this path for me. How did that occur to you in your mind? Yeah. I think the hard part, uh, for me was that, you know, you, my career was on the up and up, you know, and you get promoted and you get all of these things that you think, Oh, as soon as I get that, I'm going to be happy. And you know, you keep putting these goals in place and you get them and then you're not. And instead of saying, okay, maybe, you know, achieving these, th these markers for success in your life, maybe they're off. Maybe it's not exactly what you need as a whole person to feel good and to feel happy. Um, and so I think, but it's really hard to get off that wheel because they give you more money and you think, oh, you know what? It, it actually wasn't that it's this net. It's when I get to this next one that I'm really going to, you know, be able to get a bigger apartment and like take this vacation and do the, these things. And, um, so I think that keeps that kept, at least kept me like stuck. Uh, I was too scared to get off the wheel. Um, and a lot of times when you're in it, right, like you're knee deep in it, it feels like you can't like something catastrophic is going to happen. Like the world, your world is going to collapse if you break off and what I would really just encourage, you know, people who are experiencing that is that it won't, 
like you'll the it'll be okay you know there's other things out there that you have options it's 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 not just one focus you know um and for me that was really it i just kept i was i was addicted to um i think positive responses i loved hearing people say great job amazing oh my gosh you're so good you know that really drove me and um i think i was like a little bit addicted to it because if not why would i have stayed right fear and that like really liking the positive attention and you know kind of being being on that path to su success whatever that looked like um and i think honestly i didn't really have an aha moment i had a slow burn you know i had years of feeling uh unhappy sorry for myself then like being mad at myself because everyone would look at my life and say wow you have the best life and you have all these friends and you're always going out to nice restaurants and you live in new york and you work in beauty like what you know and then you start to feel like oh am i you know should i just go along with it because apparently i have like the best thing ever you know um, and i think just so long of feeling like that it was more just like I, I got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, and I think when it started to affect my physical health, um, that's when, you know, like I saw a doctor and she told me I'd never be able to have kids because I, a lot, a lot of sharing information, I, by the way, I have three children now. Um, but you know, I hadn't got my menstrual cycle in like eight or nine months. Um, all of these things. And when I started to see it manifest physically, that's when I really, I think, took more notice and said, okay, this is, this is real. Like these change, these, the way I'm, the way stress is affecting my body can have kind of like lasting effects and it's not worth it. So I think if any aha moment, it was, it was sort of that, that's what kind of shifted the course for me. Yeah. So how did you decide on going to Buenos Aires, you know, like out of all places, because I'm in my Right, you know, because I'm thinking, well, okay, now that I know that you had, you know, picked up and moved to London with your family when you were 16, and I'm from Pennsylvania, so I totally get the feeling of, you know, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, we're neighbors, so, you know, and then I lived in California and went to school there, but, like, in my, if I were in your shoes, I might have been, like, oh, like, maybe I'll go somewhere closer to London, you know, maybe not London, yeah. but, like, Europe, right, yeah. and I, and I'm, totally with you in, in terms of, I love speaking multiple languages. My goal, I speak Italian and I'm learning Russian right now. And so, <laughs> and so when I saw the story about you, I'm like, she gets it. And, and I love I can just how with your accent, when you say Buenos Aires, like you, you still speak it, like you speak fluently. I'm assuming. Yes. Fluently, right? yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I mean, to me, that's, yeah, that's one of the things I love about um, probably my favorite part about living in another country or like being there for like two weeks is when I was in Paris a couple of weeks ago, all I heard were people speaking in French. I didn't understand a single word, but I felt very alive, like out of my comfort yeah. zone. I felt gross. Exhilarating. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the best feeling. <laughs> but yeah. So why, why Buenos Aires? It's not like, why not Paris? Yeah. Why not Madrid? So it's you know? funny because I, so I, I knew I wanted to learn Spanish. Uh, and my first thought was I'll go to Spain. But then I realized, you know, a lot of my friends from high school had stayed in Europe. My parents were still in Europe. When I was uncomfortable, I knew what I would do. I would take an easy jet flight an hour and a half to London and I'd like, you know, be comforted by my family and my friends. And it would be, there's an easy escape, you know, there's like an easy way to get out of that uncomfort, un discomfort. And so 
I specifically did not want to go to Europe for that reason. So I was looking at Latin America and it was kind of random. Honestly, it, 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 looking back now, um, you know, the fact that I met my husband there, the fact that we have so many similarities, the fact that he grew up in connect. So I met my husband there. So my, so interest, interestingly, so that's how my six months turned to, I mean, I lived there, ended up living there for 10 years. You know, I had three kids born there. I met my husband. It was, a, it was, you know, it's, and, and it's so funny because my husband is Argentine, but he lived from two to 12 in Connecticut. Just so random because, you know, we remember we met halfway around the world. We have nothing in common on paper, but, you know, we remember the same radio commercials from when we were kids because he lived 40 miles from where I lived. You know, it's just our, our, fathers work very close, you know, closely to each other, like in New York city. Um, it's, it's, it really made me start and I'm pretty pragmatic and I'm not, I, I never considered myself very spiritual, at least back then. But, um, and I, but I really started thinking about destiny because it's like, how did I pick this random place where I met this man who has, we have so much in common, um, and, you know, we fell in love and it's, it feels like I, I had, you know, I went 10 years being single, by the way, like I was never a person who I didn't think I was going to get married ever. I never really like wanted or liked the idea of just having like a boyfriend as like someone with me company. I always lived by myself and I really liked it. And I just kind of, maybe I was just used to it, but that's how I operated very much in like this me centric okay. world, which works very similar. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. And so, it, it, you know, so with that, it's not like I was, had reached the point and I was like, just waiting to meet someone and he kind of fell in, you know, to the right moment. It's like, we actually met and had such a deep connection that I'd never had with anyone before and had so much in common that it was like, how can this be? Like, how did we meet? It's, it doesn't make any sense, you know? So I don't know. It definitely had me started, got me thinking about, you know, destiny and karma and all of these things and that, who knows, but it is a strange coincidence, you know, that we, that we, we, we met on the other side of the world. And, um, I think it's, it's the thing that's like how much in common we really have, how similar our families are. I mean, you put our fathers side in the back and you can't tell who's who shop in the same stores they look exactly the same smoking the same cigars it's like crazy um but it was just you know I, I i guess it was meant to be so that's why you ended up staying there longer yes I, I meant to go for six months yeah and that six months turned into 10 years okay and and you you met him in that six i'm assuming obviously yeah. i met him in the six months we were just friends because i was off you know dating totally, totally like you should <laughs> yeah, I was not there right like I right. was not there for to get a boyfriend or anything I was there to have fun um and but we had a connection we were very good friends and yeah one thing led to the the next and um I actually left Buenos Aires at the end of my six months um I came back I went to Miami and I said okay now I'm gonna now I can speak in Spanish so I'll live in Miami um and we kept talking and I thought, okay, well, maybe there is something there. I ended up getting a, a job offer in Buenos Aires for Cody, like, which is similar to L'Oreal, managed fragrance in Spanish, in Argentina for Latin America. 
And I took it and I went back and we tried it, you know, romantically and it worked and that set me off for 10 years. Wow. Okay. One of my questions I didn't get to ask <laughs> when you left, like you, you like leave your lease and you go to Argentina. Um, did you have, like, how did you make that feasible? Did you have like a savings set aside to do this or like just to kind of practical terms for those listening, wondering how they could do this? <laughs> As most of you have probably heard for a while now, I've been consistently drinking Magic Mind because not only does it taste so good, especially if you love a hint of matcha flavor, but this stuff helps me get into my flow state and I always feel a stronger sense of focus, which makes sense since it is a productivity drink. While I love coffee and I do make it every morning, when it comes to preparing for my workflow or wanting something to sip on before I get into my work, I always choose Magic Mind because, like I said, it helps me get into my flow state and it makes me feel more focused and productive. The best part is that it is all natural and I'm going to share with you a few key facts and ingredients. Number one, it is known to increase and improve productivity. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee if you drink coffee for energy and focus. For me, like I said, I drink it more for just the pleasure of making coffee. So this one is definitely a better alternative if you prefer more of an energy-focused drink. It helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms. And lastly, it is all natural ingredients including adaptogens, matcha, and nootropics. If you've been considering it for a while, I highly, highly recommend you give this a try. I drink this every single day, no joke, and it comes in a box of 15 and I like it so much sometimes I drink two in a day, but disclaimer, it is not recommended. They do recommend one, but I just truly love it so much. And even better, you can enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code FULFILL at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout. That's fulfill, F-U-L-F-I-L-L at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Yeah, so I had been thinking about this and I told you I've been thinking about this and saving for probably a little over three years. Oh, wow. Um, okay, okay. So yeah, you know, and I and I think also, yeah, I've been I've been saving and you know, I didn't know if I was actually going to do it. But I saved. Uh, and my friends were like, nah, you're gonna take like a crazy ass vacation when you <laughs> when you, you know, instead of moving and um, so I had been saving, but I also went to a place where, you know, um, unfortunately, the, the economic situation in Argentina is, mm -hmm. is, is pretty bad. And so the dollar to the peso also goes a long way. Right. So I was also able to make that money stretch. I didn't, you know, I didn't have to save as if I was saving to live six months in New York city. Right. Um, so I think that also played, you know, it's smart to think about that. If you're thinking about, there are so many and now that nobody needs to be anywhere for work. I mean, there are so many amazing places in this world where you can live well and not spend a lot of money and be by the water if you want to be by the water and be, you know, in a city if you want to be in a city. But, um, you know, if you prioritize the things that you want, there are so many amazing places that you could be experiencing right now in the world and living for a fraction of what you live uh, live off of in, in the United States and, and maybe make some decisions that way, you know, maybe... Yeah you can work remotely. I mean, I would have, you know, I just started doing remote work right before I left, but in these places, if you make dollars, you can live a great life. And so 
you can live somewhere abroad, work for um, someone who's paying you in stronger currency, you know, euros, dollars, whatever it might be. Um, you can live a really nice life on a lot less than what you're living for, what you're living on now. Yeah. So in terms of logistically, how were you able to manage to stay there that long? Like, did you have to get a certain visa? Like, it, like kind of uh, walk us through that process of like actually being able to live there for a longer period of time. Yeah. So I don't know if I should... <laughs> At that point, I don't, I, I don't think this can, this still works, but they were giving three month tourist visas. I took a three month tourist visa and uh, a little trick that all the expats, I don't know if they're still doing it in Argentina was you could take a boat to Uruguay, leave the country, come back and get an additional three months. So I did that once to get me to six months. And then when I decided I wanted to come back and, and stay long-term, I found a job who would sponsor me, um, who would sponsor me. But also, I think that's also kind of, you know, so you could take a job in a foreign country because they're always, you know, if you have experience that you've built up in a, you know, in a, in a good corporation or you're, or in a startup or something, you bring value. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, are willing to, to help you sort of logistically get the, the paperwork done so that, um, so that you can live and, and, and stay and work there. So I did do the kind of like dirty crossing the border once and coming back to get that extension. But, but then, um, I mean, I knew people who had literally like lived there for 10 years doing that crossing every three months and coming back, not recommended. I'm just saying how it was. Back I in the think day. I saw somewhere uh, as well, like uh, people do that kind of similarly for Europe. Cause I know that we also have like a 90 day tourist visa, but it's not, I don't think it's as easy, but in terms of like, I think you have to leave for maybe longer. You can't just like go and come back right away. I think you can like go for like a shorter period of time and then come back again for that three months. I think maybe you have to leave for three months and then come back, but you can still come back and like start that three months again in Europe, in the EU. And there's always ways. I mean, look, I guess it's the difference between if you're on a holiday visiting or if you actually want to stay there and make a life for yourself, right? And I think you can always find a way to stay somewhere for six months, nine months, like that's fine. If you want to stay longer and there's so many options now, there's visas for people who, you know, bring a specific skill. There's visas for artists. I mean, you, you know, I think you can find a way to work. It's probably easier to find a way to make it work there than it would be for someone to come here and try to find it and, and try to make, you know, find a path to, to residency here in the United States. So each country is different, but it's definitely worth pursuing. And it's not a bad idea to try to get a local gig for a little while. Like if you really want to immerse yourself, you know, get a job there and become part of the community. And if they'll sponsor you or give you some kind of work permission, then better. Right. And so at that point, you are just like very far from your family, right? Like they're still in Yes, London. very far. They're in Luxembourg at that time, but okay. yes, I mean, far. Right. Far. How was that experience for you? Because it sounds like then you you pretty much kind of like grew up on your own in a sense, in a good way, because right, like you you really kind of adulted, so to speak, is what we, right? Yeah, you know, on your own. yeah. I mean, I think, you know, from the time I went to college, you know, I did, we moved to London as a family unit, but from the time I lived in the college, when I lived in college, from the time I went to college until like I moved to Atlanta, I hadn't lived in the same country as my parents for almost 20 years. So 
I think I was just used to, there's something really beautiful that happens with people who live abroad um, where friends become family and you make this community that's very different than, you know, uh, people who have family nearby. And so I think I, I honestly consider like, look now with travel, I mean, you're always a flight away, right? And I always took comfort in that. Like it's never, I'm never, I can always get to them if I need to and they can always get to me if they need to. Um, but I really think I was lucky to experience that kind of, you know, especially in, in even in New York, it was, um, you know, a group of us misfits who were from Europe, Latin America, all over the place, but we were home for each other. You know, we did holidays together and, I honestly think that's a blessing. It just like adds to your, yeah, it's sometimes it's scary. Um, and, but, you know, I FaceTime with my mom every single day, you know, sometimes multiple times a day. It doesn't, it doesn't feel that far. I guess if you're used to it, you know? Yeah. Wow. And I and feel then you like, take all the benefit. Right. And I was going to say, I feel like that is usually one of the reasons why people get scared to do something like that because it's like okay I'm gonna be far from my family like what if this happens and like all these different things so I think it's very impressive that you did that of course during college and then because they were still over in Europe when you were in college working in New York City and when you (laughs) when you moved into Argentina yeah yeah I guess I never thought about it really but it's um it's just what I was used to I guess. And I'm very, I am incredibly close with my parents, like to an unhealthy point where my friends are like, that's a little weird. Like (laughs) you always want to like go hang out with your parents. I'm like, I I actually enjoy it. And I, I love spending time with them. So um, yeah, it's scary. Of course it's going to be scary, but you know, you just never know what else is waiting for you on the other side until, until you try. Right. Okay, so now I want to dive into at what point you started to develop your company. So how do I pronounce it? Is it Hani? Hanny. Hanny. It's Hanny. Hanny. Yeah, okay. it's named after my youngest daughter, Hannah. Aww. Um, yeah, so uh, so yeah, I mean, Hanny never would have started if I hadn't moved to Argentina. And I think there's so many reasons why. One of which is just like, I chilled the fuck out when I moved to Argentina. Like, you know, you just have no choice everything ran on different time. Everyone was more relaxed, you know, someone says they're going to be at your house at, you know, you're starting and you're having a dinner at nine. No one rolls in until like 1045. And it's just kind of like, okay, it forces you to just kind of relax. And I think that's so relax and react and not just, you know, relax, uh, sorry, react to like situations as they arise and deal with them as opposed to just like, (gasps) you didn't show up and and my dinner's ruined. And, you know, which would have been like Leslie from New York and what she would have done. Um, So I think just having that ability uh, has really helped me uh, with Hanny and with like starting a business and kind of the ups and downs. Um, But I started consulting. So actually when I, uh, I got this job at Cody and I was working in fragrance I really hated it, to be honest. Um, then I started like a little side project, which was I made capes, um, like really beautiful coats and capes. And I did trunk shows in New York and, and Buenos Aires. And it was going well. I was getting, no, but it, it wasn't a business that was built to scale, but it was sort of, you know, my first take at my own thing. Um, and then I uh, I started um, consulting with some Latin American beauty brands, predominantly out of Brazil and a few out of Argentina. And I was traveling a lot. 
And on one of those trips, I was in Tokyo and I was walking down the street and I saw um, this woman who, this is 2010, right? So this is like predating dermaplaning or anything like that. And I saw this woman having her face shaved, like very chic woman at, at a barbershop, traditional Japanese men's barbershop with like the foam and the thing. And so I was like, what is happening right now? I went in and had my face shaved. I don't have a ton of hair on my face, but you know, it was my first experience with a single blade. And I just was blown away by the exfoliating properties, how everything seemed to just absorb so much deeper, you know, the, the, the skincare that went on. Um, and so that was really like the impetus for, uh, for Hanny and for trying to make a single blade product that you know, works better than any razor on the market made for men um, and gives you just an insanely, insanely smooth, smooth, smooth skin. So it was funny because when I came back from that trip from Japan, I talked to my friend who's born and raised in Japan, uh, who I used to work with at L'Oreal and is now actually my head of product at Hanny. And I said, hey, I did this really cool thing. And thinking I was like, well, I shaved my face. Like I had never heard of this before. This is 2010, okay? And she kind of looked at me like, uh, I've been shaving my face since I was like 12 years old. My mom shaves her face. My grandma shaves her face. And I was just like, what? How, how did I not know about this? And so, yeah, that was really when I started thinking about shaving as skincare, shaving your body as skincare as well, like prepping your skin for proper care, exfoliating, all of these things that, you know, our weighted razor does so much better than anything else on the market. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, without that experience, I never would have started it. And I actually started it thinking I was going to do something totally different. I was going to do like a, almost like a Harry's model, the single blade, but a subscription service in Argentina. That was my original idea. Um, and it just didn't work for so many reasons. You know, e-commerce isn't as advanced there as it is here. And so one thing kind of morphed into another and I decided to launch it in the US. And that's another thing, like the, the business idea changed so much. I think it's so important to just start doing and you're gonna end up so far from what you originally started doing, but just start. Because if you don't start, uh, it, can't, it, it can't morph, it can't evolve. Uh, don't get stuck to the fact, yeah, I wanted to start an e-commerce business in a place where you can barely import products from other countries and you know, there's no overnight shipping and next day shipping, like those things don't exist. That's okay. Cause it led me here. And I, you know, I'm so happy with what I'm doing here now. Yeah. You know, so how many years has the business kind of evolved? You know, how long has it been since I guess that initial aha moment for you when you're like, Oh my gosh, this is so different. I've never experienced it. And I guess, um, how have you expanded over the years with the different products? As I see, like, you know, you, you have the razor, but then you have like other products. And then I did also want to touch on kind of like, what were some of the struggles? Like you kind of did mention right there, there were, you know, at first, like that didn't work there, but like, you know, you, you brought it to the US, that kind of thing. So what were some of the initial struggles with maybe sales or like expanding? If tomorrow was your last day, would you feel as though you have maximized your potential? How would you describe your perfect day with no limitations? How can you work towards achieving something as close to this, if not exactly that? And what is your dream life? Where is it? Who's there with you? And what does your Saturday look like versus a Monday? These are some of my favorite questions from the What Fulfills You card game. And I created this card game with the intention to help you on your journey 
of personal growth as actually all of these questions in this card game are questions that helped me in my own personal growth journey in my 20s. But even more than that, these questions help cultivate more purposeful and meaningful conversations, whether it's with your colleagues, your close friends, or date night. I love to play this on a night in with a few glasses of wine, or now that it is spring and summer season, I think it's just so fun to bring this with you when you're hanging out at the park, especially for my fellow New Yorkers who like to hang out in Central Park, have a cheese board, and just have some deep conversations. You can shop the card game online at whatfulfillsyou.com and since you are a listener of the show, you can get 10% off your purchase with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy. Yeah, I mean, look, so the company is now, we just had our first birthday. We are young. Um, When you saw us in show fields, we were like a month old. the first, yeah, it was really, really new. The first come, you know, the, from the start of these conversations I was having and the and the development, that was probably about two and a half years. But COVID happened and we were going to launch in 2020. And so we didn't end up launching until 2021. Um, look, it has been the craziest roller coaster. We've been really fortunate to have had so many highs in this year. Like we came out in every major magazine. We won an Allure Best of Beauty, which was like huge for a new brand. We just launched in Sephora. Like there have been so many amazing moments, but behind all of those, quite honestly, have been like moments where I'm ready to give up and I'm thinking, what did I do this all for? And I'm stressed and I'm also like watching you know, uh, feeling a lot of times like less than because I, it seems to be that like I, I watch other beauty founders and they're always like beautifully done and 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 often capri. And I'm just like, how is this? Ha-? I'm literally like working out of my basement office, you know, barely yeah, just like pounding it and not living a glam life, to be quite honest. Uh, so always kind of feeling like oh, I'm not I'm not hitting it. Like, what am I not doing right Um, and so I think it is important to like, it's okay to have those moments you need to, that's the, that's the real truth of like launching a brand. It's more ugly than it is what you see so far like amazing things. Um, and so I think there have been a lot of like really crazy challenges. Obviously, you know, we launched during COVID and we had major supply chain issues. We couldn't get any product. We, you know, we're behind where we, we were able to launch in these amazing places. Then we sold out, we couldn't get any more product or, you know, even after launch, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Like when, especially when you're putting products out there that people haven't seen before, you know, you, you have to show people why, you know, it's better to invest in something that's going to last you a longer time. That's not going to end up in a landfill, you know, that gives you a much closer shave than anything else you've experienced. Um, but, you know, you have to show them you're trying to change a habit and we're trying to get people to ditch their plastic razor for something better. So, you know, there's a lot of I mean, most of it's challenging. And then you get a, a little tidbit of a reward and then you go on to the next challenge. And that's that's the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur. So I think, you know, if you're if you want to get into that, just just be prepared. I think it's worth every second. And I love it. There's a lot of moments of self-doubt and a lot of challenges. Um and you have to be prepared to, to take the ride and to find quick solutions and all of those things. Um, and I think, you know, as a brand, 
we have a lot of really exciting product launches coming up for the second half of the year. So we started with this weighted razor, right? Um, totally kind of rethinking the way people think about shaving, not so much as like, oh, I have to be in the shower and I have to shave because I want to look sexy for a date or, you know, just like a, a chore um, to something that you can do. You know, we have this shave pillow stick that lets you shave with or without water. So you can literally put it on dry skin and shave. Um, and so we wanted to elevate the category, right. And give people something they had never experienced before. And now we're doing the same with body care. We have a whole line of body care products coming out, all super unique and innovative, not like another body wash, another bar soap. Like that's just not what we do. Um, so I'm super excited for those to, to hit the market, um, later on this year. And then we've got a lot of big stuff cooking for next year. So. You know, I always say we are not a razor company. We are a skincare brand that believes that the first step to great skin is a great shave. Um, and really like shifting this conversation to prepping your skin for proper care. Like if you're going to be buying a beautiful body serum or a beautiful body cream, but you're not going to essentially dermaplane your skin beforehand, you're kind of plopping it on to dead dry skin, right? So take a moment for you, if you choose to shave and shave with a quality tool that, you know, doesn't leave your skin all you know, irritated and won't end up in the landfill. So that's what we're on a mission to do. Yeah, no. And I love that too. And I feel like this is something a lot of people would be curious about because there's, it's very vague to most, including myself, but in terms of distribution, how did you, you know, get into like those magazines, get those press and, and even like getting into Sephora and like all that kind of stuff, like was like, did you, you know, like kind of show the process of that? Yeah. So when we first started out, we were, you know, bootstrapped. Um, the one place I invested was with an incredible PR firm, Autumn PR in Los Angeles. Uh, they are the absolute best. And um, they helped us get our story out and tell, tell our story to, you know, to so many people, influencers, editors, and that was more valuable than, you know, anything else we did at launch. So I think investing in that we weren't investing in marketing we didn't have any money to put on paid ads or anything like that but we were investing in 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 pr and i would also say like before you go and take the leap to invest in pr or launch a product you know i think it, I, I learned this with the capes <clears throat> that i was making in argentina i didn't have pr and i was able to get coverage in lucky magazine in style allure all these places because i was doing something that was different. I was only making capes made in Argentina that were gorgeous. And so it wasn't like me sending saying, I have a new fashion line and here's why it's different than like all the other like thousand fashion line things you've heard. And so I think same thing kind of helped us with Sephora because we were launching something new, a totally different category. Um, people took interest in us because our product was differentiated. And so it's something I would really recommend before you launch anything, because at the end of the day, if you're launching another a one of many that doesn't have a ton of differentiating factors. Um, it doesn't matter if you have the best PR agency in the world, people aren't going to write about you because they already know 10 others like you. So I think, you know, even when you're just thinking about a business, make sure you can sum up like very easily why you're different and why you're better. And if you can't, then it's probably not the right thing. Um, so I would say it with that caveat, if you're, if you really believe that you have something that's differentiating the market and there's a white space and people will take notice in this crowded world of, uh, you know, everyone launching 
so many products. Um, I think if you do, then investing in PR and getting the word out is um, definitely was, was worth it for us. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then um, for the next few years, kind of besides like the new product launches, what's your vision and mission, I guess, goal, you know, in terms of expansion? Yeah. Well, there's a lot. I mean, I think, you know, we're focused right now. We're um, really focused on our Sephora business and trying to make that grow such an exciting opportunity for us. Um, Yeah. New products, lots of new products, lots of new categories coming the idea behind Hanny is that we take sort of mundane, um, like I said, utilitarian chore-like things that were never part and elevate them to part of your beauty and skincare routine. So we've got a lot of things you had probably never thought of before um, that are really exciting in the pipeline. And then internationally, you know, we get so many requests for people to, um, you know, can you tell us a product in this place and and so we keep a very long list and we are just kind of like waiting for the time when we can when we can start to sell internationally so those are kind of the three main areas I'm focused on right now lots of lots of work to do for sure that's amazing but yeah no I I definitely can resonate with you on that ramp up period you know as an entrepreneur as a founder it's it's not pretty like you said it's not glamorous it's not hanging out you know it's like one I don't remember there was a quote I saw you've probably seen it like always on it's always floating on the internet but it's like being an entrepreneur is like riding a bike except um the bike is on fire and like (laughs) the bike is on fire and like everything you're holding on top of it is also on fire it's like it's really just you feel like you're putting out fires all day long um so it's it's great and I think it makes you super resilient and um but it is hard it's hard I think that's what you, maybe, maybe to me, I see so many founders and maybe this is their genuine life and I'm just, you know, jealous, but it seems like they're out there at these like amazing parties all the time. And they are, um, and they're traveling the world on boats and all these things. Um, that's not what it's like for, for, for most. And I think that's probably not what it's like for them, honestly, either, or uh, all the time. Um, so just remember that when you're thinking about like none of what you, it's, it's not real what you're seeing. Like it's a lot of hard work and just be prepared for that, for the ugly side that people don't show on Instagram. Um, because that's not to say it's not worth it. It totally is. But I think the expectation and the reality are oftentimes, um, pretty far apart. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for emphasizing on that because I think, not enough people get to hear from directly from founders, you know, like this, where like what it's like in the first few years, because most people see results after like 15 years, 10, 15, 20 years. And so I like to emphasize on that too, because, um, you know, I'm in that millennial Gen Z generation where I think I hear a lot or too often that people think it's, um, oh, we can, we can blow up on TikTok. We can blow up on YouTube. It's like, exactly. It'll just go viral. And like, then our lives will be so easy. Like if only, if only it were that easy. A book recommendation or resource that was transformative for your life. And you would think would be helpful for women. Okay. So there is a book that I just finished and it's not new, but a friend recommended to me. I had never read it before. It's called the surrender experiment by Michael Singer. He writes the surrender experiment. It's, oh, I can't remember the other one, but untethered um, soul, I think untethered soul. Yeah. Thank you. I just yes. finished oh that my book. gosh. He's, I just think his perspective is so unique. Um, 
And so the whole idea of the surrender project is exactly that it's to stop. I mean, he goes through this very long process of, of, of uh, to get there, but the, the essence of it behind it is to stop wasting energy fighting against what's happening. Right. It's like, there's so, and, and if you really let yourself go and let what is naturally meant to happen, happen, you'll find that things work out and end up, it's when we start putting up these borders and we start putting up these blocks and we say like, I don't know, something bad happened to me and I'm not gonna let it. And, and or like you, you, you spend so much time just trying to change an outcome that you can't change, that you've kind of wasted that energy on that. And you're not open to what, you know, the universe has for you and, and how you can really, and I feel like I lived that when I went to Argentina, I feel like I surrendered. I let the world kind of take me and I ended up in a really amazing place. So um, definitely worth, worth the read. He's, he's a wonderful writer and I've got Untethered Soul next on my list. So really excited to, to read that one. We'll swap and then you tell me what you think. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, that definitely sounds like a book that's very up my alley. I'm very into like energy and, you know, alignment and that kind of thing. So I think um, that kind of surrender, letting go aspect is something I've picked up over the past year. It's so powerful, right? I, I never really, I was never into these kinds of things. And so whenever I pick these, you know, I, so I have to be careful with things that get like too kind of spiritual or, you know, they tend to, I tend to shy away from. And so I think what he does a really good job in these books is making it you know, feel relatable and he tells his own story. And so you can really see what happened in his life um, when he surrendered. Right. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you two questions from the What Fulfills You card game. So this one's interesting for you too, because of your story with how you met your husband, but do you believe in right person, wrong time, or that timing doesn't matter because if it's the right person, it will always work out? That's a great question. I think there's definitely such a thing as right person, wrong time. Uh, you are meant to go on your journey and, you know, it's, I definitely believe that that can happen. I think when I met Martin, it was right, right person, right time. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that you, you know, I let myself quite honestly not that you have to be alone for a long period of time or anything like that, but if I had settled or tried to make a right person work in a wrong time, I never would have met Martin. And so, you know, I think that I definitely, I definitely believe it. Yeah. Mm, wow. That is very valuable. What about you? I, I, I completely agree with your answer because I do believe that, you know, again, like I said, I'm pretty similar to you in that I've never been the type of person that felt like feels like I'm searching for a boyfriend or I need to be with a partner. You know, I love living alone. I love kind of focusing on myself and allowing the right people come in at the times that they're supposed to. And I do believe that those chapters along the way, whether it's with that person or with someone else we meet later on, like without that initial experience, we wouldn't be able to have that final outcome, right? <laughs> Thousand percent. Yeah. Okay. I know this is a fun game. It is. It is. I have to send it to you and you can. No, I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. Um, another good one related to maybe a little bit about destiny. Um, 
because you brought that up. Do you believe um, that everything happens for a reason, so to speak, you know, in that universal reason or that it's 50-50 in that we make decisions and there are certain outcomes that come along the way, but also part of it is, you know, that universal time again, so to speak. I definitely believe in destiny and things that are meant to be, but I do think that the way you react to those things has sort of like a domino effect on it. So I think, yes, things are meant to happen at certain times in your life. You can either choose to accept them or choose to reject them. And, you know, just because it's the right timing doesn't mean, you know, you also have to be open and susceptive and, and, and receptive. Um, and so I think it's 50, 50, I think it's, you know, the universe can only align for you if you're open and willing and what, you know, you take with that and you do with it, what, what you will. And that can also set up off a, a chain effect. So I believe in it, but I don't believe in it to the extent that, you know, no matter what path you take, you're going to end up in the same place, which is where you are meant to be. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I think I really it's 50, like 50. I think it's 50, 50. Um, yeah. yeah. Because, well, I think of it too, you know, for you, it's like, had you not made that decision to go to Buenos Aires, I don't, you know, your path would have been very different as well. So it does take that part in you to make that decision to have that three years of savings saved up. Right. So that procedure, that process of right before you make that decision, you get on the plane. Like, I think, you know, you could have also chose something else and you also would have had maybe a different outcome that could have been just as good or maybe not as great. You know, you won't ever know, but I think like wondering sometimes also gets to people, you know, like a, this was meant to be, it's like, I don't know, but you like, you made some of those decisions that led you there. Yes, and then part timing. of it is, yes, exactly. <laughs> you can only do so much and then timing takes over. But, um, you know, it's, if you sit back and don't do anything and expect things to, you know, fall into place, I'm not sure that they do. Um, maybe they do. I've just never been that, but I, that's, that's what my gut tells me. So, you know, it has to be a little bit of both. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> okay. Well, one last question, um, something I asked the guests on the show, but you've had a lot of experience in life and, you know, you've experienced life outside of the U S something like we talked about, not many people in America do. And I think, um, you've definitely seen a lot in your years. Um, uh, but you know, out of all that, you know, that what you've experienced, what you've learned, what would you say truly fulfills you in life? That's a great question. And I think about it all the time. Um, I think balance is what fulfills me. I realized that, you know, when I was living in New York and I was only focused on work and I was obsessed, it was unhealthy. And when I moved to Argentina and start, you know, I had three kids in four years, uh, which I loved the experience of, but I also felt a bit empty because I didn't have anything for myself outside of my family. Um, and so I think balance being, you know, and I'm totally against this message of you can do it all. Like, you know, you can, you know, you, you can, but at different times in life. And I think as long as you are able to like, right now I'm in startup mode. I don't spend as much time with my kids as I would like to, or as I would be if I wasn't doing this. Right. 
But what I do know is that the time I spend with them is quality time. It's shorter, but I make it count. Um, so I think as long as you're making the effort and you can, the balance isn't going to be 50, 50, right? Like you're, most people are, aren't lucky enough to find that, but if you're willing to let it ebb and flow and know that sometimes this will, sometimes your personal life will come. Sometimes your work life will come. Sometimes something else will come. As long as I think you have all of those pieces involved in your daily life, um, for me, at least that's what I call balance. And that's what keeps me fulfilled. And I need all of them in my life in different levels, but at all times in order to really feel like myself and feel happy. Oh, wow. I love that answer. (laughs) Because it's a struggle. I'm not going to lie. Like it is a struggle for me. And most working, especially working, you know, moms, but just working people. It's like you have, you have interests and you have things that you want to accomplish and they're not all directly tied to your job and you need to be able, it's something we always talk about at Hanny. It's like, you know, it's the reason why we let people, you know, they can work however they want, go to Israel for four months and work if you want to, if that's what, you know, you need to have more in life than work. And I think that's super, super important. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom and insight on this episode. This is certainly one of my favorites this year. Oh, I'm so happy to hear it, Emily. I love That's why we went a little bit over. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but like, this is such a good (laughs) conversation. I'm like, like really, really good I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. Well, where can everyone find Hanny and learn more about the products, uh, what's to come and, you know, where they can shop it? Yeah. So we are www.heyhanny.com. We are at Hanny Smooth on all um, social sites and we're also available at sephora.com and in store. So you have your pick wherever you'd like to find us, um, but please come say hello. I'm always checking our, our DMs and everything. So follow us on, on, on Instagram, on TikTok and um, yeah, reach out. Cause I love hearing from, you know, from customers, from people, from, you know, anyone who, who, who wants to, who wants to chat. So amazing. Amazing. Well, I will link that in the show notes as well. So people can click on it in the show notes and they'll be able to find all of your links. That was all for today's episode with the founder of Hanny. You guys, I definitely recommend to go check out the product. Everything is linked in the show notes, but I actually recently just tried it myself and I think it is such a unique product And I'm not just saying that, I really am super grateful that I get to try different products from founders that come on the show, and this one was definitely my top favorite. And like Leslie mentioned, I believe you can find the product in stores at Sephora, and of course online at heyhanny.com. So again, everything is linked in the show notes. Check it out. If you have thoughts, feedback, as always, please let me know, share the episode on your Instagram story, tag at what fulfills you, send this to a friend that this could be helpful for. And you guys know I am always so appreciative of you guys tuning in every week into each episode. So I just want to say big shout out to you for being a longtime listener. And that is all I have for today's episode. I will chat with you guys in the next one.